As always, we want to thank our sponsor, the Norden Group of Salt Lake City. Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach leads to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself. What do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low-cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can help reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. And as always, if you folks have you know seven or eight figures worth of investable wealth, um, these are the guys that you want in your corner. These are honest, ethical professionals who can help you at every step along the way. Uh, they're the allies that you need on your side. Investment advisor services offered through Townsquare Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Townsquare is not affiliated with any other named entity. So, uh, trainers, this is this is tricky. Like I like I said before, trainers are a little more involved than a lot of people think. There are a few different things you have to consider as far as bike compatibility goes. Um, so bear with me. This this will be an information dense episode um to kind of start from the beginning go back and listen to the episode from earlier we talk a little bit more about how to use trainers you know like people for whom a trainer is appropriate versus not um i tend to be of the opinion that basically everyone should have one i think they're pretty broadly useful um but like i said there's a few things that you have to understand you know, before you start the process of, you know, you know, swiping your card and actually getting something on the way, um, to back up all the way to the beginning, um, a trainer is, is like I said in the last episode, is essentially a bike stand that, by some means, uh, provides resistance for you to pedal against. That is, in, in the most basic terms, that's what a trainer is. And I'll kind of, this will be a little redundant from the last episode, but to review, for a long time there were fluid trainers or magnetic trainers that people would use um, where you'd basically just sit and stare at the wall where you listen to music or something like that and the resistance was what it was and there was no um, you know variability it couldn't really measure your power there were trainers you know some of you in the bike world might have been familiar with like the compu trainers and stuff um, you know that would measure power and that could maybe even do some kind of variable resistance but they weren't that common and they certainly weren't common like in people's homes like your gym might have a spin class where they used compu trainers or something like a lot of you if you were big into riding in the 90s early 2000s um you know maybe went to like a high-end bike shop like contender had one where you do like a spin class on the compu trainers but they weren't something that were inside of people's homes that is completely changed that is one of the biggest changes in, in the sport of cycling in the bike industry you know over the past few years is that people have these smart trainers right and, and when I say smart trainer, I essentially mean a trainer that can do one of, I mean, at, at least one of uh, two things. And those, those are measure power and control resistance. Um, we say power trainers or control trainers. Generally, when we say smart trainers, they can usually do both, but there are some exceptions. You know, some entry-level trainers only do uh, power. You know, um, there are not smart trainers that only do control. That is a function that works in tandem with power. Um, but do be aware that not every smart trainer will have variable um, uh, uh, resistance control. Um, if you are on this team and you are listening to this podcast, I think you should have a trainer. Um, 
it's a nice tool to have. You don't have to live on the trainer. A lot of people kind of think that like, oh, if you have a trainer, that's what you're doing every single day during the winter. Dan and I have made pretty clear we don't necessarily think that's what you should be doing. Um, but like I said, it's a useful tool to have, you know, in the quiver. Um, I understand that smart trainers are expensive. You know, like we're talking at least $250, $300. Um, uh, and, you know, it's it, the apps that you need to make them fully useful and fully functional aren't cheap either. You know, a Zwift subscription is about 15 bucks a month. Um, I, it's, it's not, not everybody can afford these expensive add-ons in an already pricey sport. I've, I'm in that situation myself, but I would prioritize this over other things, especially if you're here in Utah in the winter, it's really cold. You can't be riding outside all the time. Um, it's worth considering. I should say before we dive in, I'm not going to spend too much time on non-smart trainers. Um, like I said, those fluid trainers and the magnetic trainers, there's not much to say. You know, you could use them to warm up for a race. You could use them to warm up for a workout. They're not really for structured training. You know, um, they're, I, I don't own one. You know, I don't think if you have one, you might use it from time to time. I wouldn't go out and buy one. You're not going to be able to spend a whole lot of time on them. It takes a lot of willpower to do more than half an hour on one of those. And unless you already have a power meter, like I will say, if you already have a power meter, you could use uh, uh, just a normal magnetic resistance trainer um, or a fluid trainer, or you could even use rollers and still use Zwift. You're not going to get the full effect, but that's that's something. I feel like most people who have a power meter are going to want to buy um, you know, a variable resistance smart trainer anyway. Um, so smart trainers, smart trainers come in two basic varieties. You have your wheel on trainers and your wheel off trainers. Sometimes wheel off trainers are referred to as direct drive. Um, I will use those terms interchangeably. Um, and the difference is, is pretty simple. Wheel on trainers are more affordable. They're more common. You basically attach your bike at the rear axle, and then you have a roller that somehow you tighten against your rear tire, and that's where it's going to provide the resistance and, and measure the power and everything. Um, I have a wheel-on trainer right now. They're great. Um, they do the exact same things as the nicer, more expensive wheel-off trainers. You know, like I said, they're going to measure power. They're going to automatically change your resistance. Um, uh, the only real downsides are noise, tire wear, and then they don't... They don't work quite as well in apps like Zwift. They don't respond to uh, like changes in your workout. They don't, um, you know, like when it when the hill comes up in Zwift, it doesn't really feel as realistic. Um, you know, it feels like you're riding a trainer. Wheel off trainers, or like I said, direct drive, um, are a little more involved. Essentially, they replace your rear wheel. There'll be a cassette that's built onto the trainer itself. And if you if you don't remember, the cassette is the set of gears that would usually sit on your rear wheel, right? Um, you need to have the same cassette on your trainer as you do on your bike. You can sometimes get away with using a slightly different cassette, but it, it's a world of pain. It, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't shift well. It doesn't work well. You're constantly adjusting things. If you're going to do a wheel off trainer, um, I would strongly, um, uh, recommend that you get the proper cassette. Um, but like I said, wheel off trainers feel more realistic. You know, they change resistance more quickly. They, they feel smarter, Right. Um, it's also worth mentioning that some trainers, uh, wheel off trainers, direct drive trainers, particularly the Wahoo brand ones are like virtually silent. So like if, um, you know, I'm at home with my folks and Dan is spinning in the morning, uh, I can hear it if he was using, if he's using like a wheel on trainer, right? When you used to use one, um, if it's a wheel off trainer, you can barely hear it like at all. You can hear your chain basically. 
Um, the downside, of course, is that they're more expensive and they're also a little trickier to like put your bike onto or get it off. If you are frequently alternating between riding indoors um, and outdoors during the winter, like for me where I have my road bike, I ride it outside some days, inside some days. It's kind of nice to have a wheel on trainer because you just basically flip a lever and take the bike out, you know, put it back in. It takes less than a minute with the wheel off train. You got to take off the wheel and set it down and tighten the axle and everything. It's not a huge pain, but you know, something, um, worth considering, I guess. Um, as far as cost goes, the cheapest wheel on smart trainer retails for about 350 bucks. You can find them for less. Um, like I said before, um, but I would expect to get into the world of smart trainers at, I mean, even on sale, at least 300 bucks usually. Um, but yeah, 300, 350 bucks. Um, direct drive trainers used to start around seven, $800. Um, there is a splashy new exception. Um, and I should say seven or $800, you know, you could maybe find trainers below that, but they wouldn't be controllable. They just do power, right? There is a splashy exception. Zwift just came out with a trainer. It's called the Hub. And supposedly it's going to be um, a direct drive wheel off trainer that does all of the things that the pricey fancy Wahoo or tax units do for 500 bucks. Um, I looked into buying one. Supposedly they're not available till late winter, which means early spring. Probably not really going to get out into people's hands during this off season in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, I wouldn't count on getting one. Now, if it, if it was next season or if they were immediately available, I would probably tell everybody to shoot for those. Um, the reviews are pretty positive from the media outlets that have gotten them. Almost totally silent. They seem to be pretty reliable. They're actually based on another trainer that's been on the market before that did a pretty good job. Um, something to consider. Um, if you need something that's available immediately, I would recommend Wahoo. Wahoo is kind of the premium option. Um, they're expensive, but I think they're worth it. Uh, I spent a few years in the bike industry, and if you know, uh, you know, you know the bike industry, you know that trainers are basically all that you sell during the off season, unless you're. I mean, we had an, an, an um, a national range, so I was working with folks in the South or other parts of the world where you could ride in the winter, but for you know almost six months of the year, I was mostly selling trainers all day. I sold a lot of trainers. I helped return a lot of trainers. I helped process warranties on a lot of trainers. And my experience kind of made me a Wahoo fan. Um, trainers are generally unreliable things. We see trainers come back or we saw trainers come back for warranties more than wheels or bike computers or shoes. You know, like most cycling things work pretty well. <laughs> trainers don't. Um, trainers came back for warranty pretty frequently. Um, you will probably have some kind of annoying issue with your trainer at some point in time. I want to throw that out there. It's just, it's normal. Don't worry about it. Um, the trainer companies are generally pretty good at helping people with warranties, especially if you buy them new and from a reputable dealer. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm a Wahoo fan. Uh, I've used a Wahoo kicker snap for about six years. Uh, that is their wheel on trainer. Uh, I don't remember what I paid for it. I got some kind of industry deal, but these days, uh, those retail for about 400 bucks and I've got about six years worth of use out of mine and I have never had a problem with it. So that would be my endorsement there. Um, if you are looking for a wheel off trainer, if you're wanting to spend a little bit more money, um, I'd probably recommend the kicker core, uh, Wahoo does two, uh, wheel off direct drive trainers. I don't really know why they do. I don't think they need to. 
Um, they have the kicker is the nicest one, then the kicker core, which is the kind of like slightly watered down direct drive version and the kicker snap, which is what I use, which is the wheel on version. Um, the kicker is essentially differentiated by the fact that it has folding legs, can simulate a slightly higher power. I, I mean, unless your software company just went public, I'd probably go with the kicker core. Um, there are cheaper options out there, wheel on and wheel off. Um, like I said, based on my time in the industry, I would only really feel comfortable recommending Wahoo to friends. Um, I've used other trainers from Tax and Elite and Saris, and they're hit or miss. Some are good, some aren't. Um, and some like series are good and some generations are good and some aren't. Um, you know, like I've, I had a entry level tax trainer that worked for a few months and then broke and they kind of just shrugged and said, you're up a Creek. Right. So, um, if you're shopping out there, like, you know, you'll find like really good deals on like elite trainers. I see that all the time. I would personally have a hard time buying one. I saw a lot of them come back with issues and the company was a little difficult to work with. Right. Um, again, Zwift's trainer is inevitably going to come up. If you could get one, they seem to be pretty good. I can't comment from personal experience, but you know, the $500 price point rocks. Uh, I want to say a kicker core is, is right around that $800 mark. So yeah, something, something to consider. Um, I, the only other option I'd really throw out that I see right now, um, my, uh, fiance uses a, uh, trainer from kinetic. Uh, they're the green trainers you see. Uh, it's called the Kinetic Road Machine Control. I found him on Amazon this morning for 300 bucks. Hers has been going strong for two seasons, no issues. It doesn't feel as nice as the Wahoo. The Wahoo's better made. The Kinetic feels a little more plasticky, but um, you know, very essentially, it works and you know, about 100 bucks cheaper. Wheel off is a little more tricky. Um, there aren't any other wheel off trainers that I'd be super excited about recommending. Um, direct drive trainers are kind of more problem prone. If they have a good warranty uh, sort of situation, or if the company you buy it from has a good return policy, you know, I'd, I'd maybe consider it. But even if you save a little bit of money, uh, you know, up front, I don't know that it'd be worth it in the long run. So that's my essential shtick. I like Wahoo. Um, now, uh, to run over some of the, the nitty gritty tech stuff and, and do your best to stay with me, I will be releasing some visual guides um, for like FreeHub compatibility soon. I don't have those out uh, yet, but to kind of preempt some of the big questions, uh, quick release versus through axle. Um, as a quick review, um, some bikes have quick release axles, some have through axles. Those are the two big types. Most newer bikes have through axles. Uh, through axles are a little thicker than a pencil and they, they screw directly into your frame. Uh, quick releases are the more traditional standard. They're a little skinnier than a pencil and they'll usually have like a flip lever on one side and a little nut on the other side, right? Um, you will need to consider which one your bike has and then you will need a special trainer axle in almost any case, um, especially if you're dealing with a wheel on trainer. Uh, quick release trainer axles are all the same. You can go onto Amazon, just look up trainer axle and you'll, you'll see them. They look like a quick release ascent, but they have like a kind of a bigger, fatter, um, a nub on the end, uh, to fit into a trainer. You can buy like a pack of those on Amazon for 10 bucks. They're really easy. Um, through axle, 
uh, trainer axles are a little uh, more complicated. Um, they can change from trainer to trainer. Some trainers want one, some trainers want another. For what it's worth, uh, Wahoo's um, uh, direct drive wheel off uh, trainers do not use a trainer axle. They're designed to work with the axle that comes on your bike. More and more trainers are designed that way these days. But just be aware that if you go outside of Wahoo, I can't tell you. There's different brands might have different solutions there. Be, be aware of that. Um, uh, when you're dealing with uh, the wheel on trainers and you're trying to find a through axle, uh, trainer axle, please be aware that different bikes have different threads. Uh, it's really, really annoying. It's an absolute circus. It's the reason I hate the bike industry. There are three kind of common, uh, we call them thread pitches. In the bike industry, there's like coarse, fine, and medium or something like that. Um, be aware of that when you're buying a uh, trainer axle. You know, like uh, I'll say like Wahoo, my recommendation, basically for like 60 bucks, they will sell you a through axle kit that comes with the adapter you need to make the trainer work. And then it comes with three different through axles in the bag. And you just have to find the one that threads easily into your frame. Um, do not try and thread the wrong axle into your frame with the wrong thread pitch. You'll break your axles and you'll destroy your frame. Um, so just uh, be aware of that. Um, you know, like I said, this is why the bike industry sucks. There's so many different standards and stuff that are a pain. Um, uh, and as I kind of alluded to a second ago, on top of figuring out the axle, you'll need to figure out what adapters uh, you're going to need for your trainer. Um, even though the bike industry has kind of moved to through axle as the uniform standard, trainers are still kind of stuck in a world where everybody uses quick release. Most trainers come out of the box ready to accept a quick release setup, which is annoying, but it's what we have to deal with. Um, my suspicion is that most of us will, or most people who are listening to this will be using a mountain bike on the trainer. I will talk about that in more detail in a second, but because of that, I'm going to assume that most of us are dealing with through axles. So if you buy a trainer, wheel on or wheel off, but especially wheel on, you will need to make sure you have the correct adapters. Um, every brand has different adapters. You, there's not just like one set that will work with every single trainer out there. Um, and there might even be differences within the brand, almost certainly differences between wheel off and wheel on, even within the same brand. Um, I've, you know, I've been out of the industry long enough. It's been a couple of years now that like, I can't tell you which brands send adapters in the box and which don't of my recommendations. I can tell you that Wahoo's kicker snap, the wheel on option does not come with the through axle kit. That's like 60 bucks. I want to say, uh, but they do send through axle adapters with the direct drive wheel off trainers. So, um, that being said, with Wahoo's, with their design, it's basically a little uh, kind of piece that you put into the trainer and you can flip it one way for boost, one way for non-boost. I'll touch on that in just a second, but be aware of that. Um, I can't really comment on other trainers. It literally changes season to season whether or not you get the adapters in the box or not. Look on their website, call their customer service team if you need to. It's a pain, but uh, but yeah. Um, uh, next question, uh, trainer tires. I had, I had somebody ask me about this. It used to be that when you were using your bike on a, like a fluid trainer or a mag trainer, you would want to put like a special trainer tire on and you might've seen them. They'll be like bright blue or red or green or something. And they're basically supposed to like scream, look at me, don't ride me outside. I'm just for the trainer. And the idea is that people wouldn't forget that they had this trainer tire on and then go out outside and hurt themselves. 
trainer tires are basically like solid rubber tires that you put on just for the trainer. The idea is that you don't wear down your fancy $80 a pop road tires. Um, I don't think you should use them. I just use my normal tires on my wheel on trainer. It's a little wasteful. It wears through your tires, but I'm not switching out my tires all the time. Every time I want to use the trainer and I'm not going to buy a second wheel set to make it easier. Um, the only exception to, uh, the, you know, my kind of rule of trainer tires is if you are going to be using a mountain bike on a wheel on trainer, you get on a wheel on train, you have that metal drum that your tires rolling against, right? And if it's a road tire, it makes a lot of noise, right? If it's a mountain tire, it sounds like the end of the world. It is the loudest sound you will ever hear. It's untenable. Like, um, if you, if you really need to save the money and you have to go with a wheel on trainer for your mountain bike, get, if not a trainer tire, some other smooth tire or something like that, you cannot go a whole winter with, um, the sound of a mountain bike tire against your, your wheel on trainer. It's unbelievably loud and unpleasant. Um, and it's also kind of a pain to be changing tires back and forth. You know, if you want to go to St. George for the weekend, you got to take the trainer tire off, put your mountain bike tire back on. If you're doing a tubeless, that's a, a huge pain. My, my kind of long and the short of, of my thoughts is that if you are using a mountain bike on the trainer, use a wheel off trainer dealing with wheel on trainers with a mountain bike is just a huge pain. Don't invite that, you know, into your life. Um, uh, for what it's worth, you can use pretty much any bike on pretty much any trainer. You know, if it's a fat bike or a tandem bike or something weird, it might not work everywhere, but most trainers will, or at least most modern smart trainers will accommodate either a road or a mountain bike or a gravel bike, of course. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what you're going to use, but you do need to be aware that if it's a wheel off direct drive trainer, you need the proper adapters and the proper cassette. And if it's a wheel on trainer, you just need to make sure you have the proper adapters and that your tire isn't going to cause a problem, uh, when it comes to like rubbing against that drum and making a ton of noise. Uh, I do want to revisit really quickly the, uh, axle discussion. Um, we've discussed before that there are two major through axle standards out on the market right now. Um, there is what I call standard, even though it's not really standard, standard on road bikes, which is 12 by 142. The numbers aren't important. I just say 142. Uh, and then there's boost for mountain bikes, which is 148. I've discussed this a few times. You can look at an explainer video online if you need to. Essentially all, all disc brake road bikes that use through axles use 142. Uh, some older mountain bikes that use through axles will use 142. Most new mountain bikes use 148. I will say for what it's worth, there's also a thing called Super Boost now that Pivot and a few other brands use on some, not all of their bikes. Um, it's mostly something found on trail bikes. I don't think any cross-country bikes are using Super Boost, but somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. If you happen to be using that, I have no idea. I've never done a Super Boost bike and a trainer before. You will have to call your trainer company and ask if they make an adapter that... Uh, plays nicely with your frame. But like I said, for a wheel off trainer, especially, uh, you just need to kind of be aware, like with Wahoo, they'll have their little adapters are really cool. You can flip it one way for 142, one the other way for 148. Uh, wheel on trainers are actually a little easier when it comes to different uh, axle dimensions. It doesn't really matter. They're really easy to adjust. Um, it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it in person. Uh, of course, the issue there we've discussed already with mountain bikes is you don't really want to be using a mountain bike tire with a wheel on trainer. Um, but do be aware, you know, with whatever bike you're using, if it's a road bike with disc brakes, if it is your mountain bike, um, 
uh, be aware if it has through axles, you need to differentiate between 142, which is standard, and 148. Um, I should note, I was reminded today that there have been a few bike brands that have explicitly, uh, well, I don't know how to, like, essentially they don't recommend that you use their bikes on a trainer, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. But I do know that, like, Canyon, uh, for a while, didn't recommend it with at least their road bikes. I don't have, I didn't do the research into what brands um, do and don't like you to use their bikes on a trainer. Any bike coming out today, like if it's a bike that's come out since 2020, I can't think of anybody who's had this problem. I think it was mostly like Canyon bikes from pre-2020 or pre-2018 or something like that. Um, I doubt you're ever going to run into any problems, but I have heard of people having warranties denied because their bike was used on a trainer and silly stuff like that. Wanted to put it out there. I seriously doubt this will affect anyone listening to this, but if that sounds familiar, if maybe when you bought the bike from a shop or the website or whatever, you heard something like that, do a little bit of reading. If nothing else, just don't mention the use it on a trainer if you're ever trying to warranty your bike. Okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> this is the last and nastiest section of compatibility. If you're dealing with a wheel on trainer, this does not affect you. This is only going to affect people with wheel off trainers. Uh, but like I said, a wheel off direct drive trainer replaces your rear wheel, has a cassette built onto it, and that means that you have to find a free hub for uh, your trainer. And this is where things get really hairy from a compatibility standpoint. If you don't remember, if I haven't explained it before, actually, I don't know if I have, um, the free hub is essentially the piece that connects your cassette or your, your gears on the rear wheel to the wheel. Um, uh, they are going to be different, not only for different types of cassettes, but for different wheels, right? So every single hub manufacturer um, makes their own free hubs. There's not a standard universal free hub. Um, and of course, there's not a standard universal cassette either. So if you were shopping for a free hub normally, you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I have a DT Swiss hub and a Shimano cassette. So I need to find uh, the DT Swiss free hub for Shimano, right? Or if you have industry nine hubs and you want to run a SRAM cassette, right? You have to be like, okay, I need the industry nine. And not only that, but like different models of hubs will use different free hubs, right? So like an industry nine Hydra free hub for a SRAM XD style cassette, right? Um, it's really hairy. And, and trainers are the same thing, right? So if you want to use, if your mountain bike has SRAM uh, Eagle on it, 12 speed, uh, you will probably uh, either need to find the XD driver for that trainer or just use like um, the kind of standard free hub sta that you're going to see on, on trainers is HG, uh, stands for hyperglide. It's kind of the standard that like 11 speed Shimano used um, forever. Um, that's the one that you're going to get out of the box with most trainers. Um, uh, SRAM does make a 12 speed HG uh, cassette. Uh, the um, they make two actually, the SX and NX cassettes are 1150 instead of being 1050. Uh, essentially, if you have a 10 tooth, if your smallest ring on your cassette is 10 teeth, you're not going to be able to use that standard HG free hub and you're gonna need um, either an XD driver, which is SRAM's version or Microspline, which is Shimano's. This is not something that I'm able to effectively communicate in a podcast, so I'm making a guide. If you just listen to the last two minutes of what I was saying and you're a bike person, you'll probably understand enough to get by. <clears throat> uh, if you're not like a super techie person, that sounded like gibberish. So just know, 
I am working like right now on a free hub compatibility guide. Uh, it might take me a few days to get out. If you have questions in the meantime, direct them to me and I can tell you what free hub you need, but just be aware, um, that, uh, if you want to use your mountain bike and you have like, I mean, most of, most people these days are using just like a SRAM Eagle group, right? Uh, you, you will either have to get the XD free hub for that trainer or buy, um, an HG cassette. The latter option is probably easier. But like I said, until that, that guide, I'm going to make one that'll explain everything and make it super intuitive. In the meantime, uh, approach me if you have any questions. As a final note on the whole free hub thing, um, I do recommend that mountain bikes be used with wheel off trainers, but you should remember uh, that cassettes change. Um, so like, for example, if you're a parent listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to buy one Wahoo kicker core that my whole family's going to use and we'll put my bike on it when I'm not using it. Little Billy can use his bike and little Susie can put hers on there. You'd better make sure that you, Billy and Susie have the same cassette because if you're running uh, XT 12 speed and Billy's running, um, you know, <clears throat> uh, like, uh, <clears throat> like an Eagle, like an X01 Eagle group set and little Susie has 11 speed Shimano on her bike they're not going to play nicely. Like maybe the 12 speeds would work together well enough, but it's going to suck. The, the, you basically, you don't want to deal with it. And even if you have, you know, um, uh, all three of your bikes are using XT 12 speed. If one of your chains is stretched, um, it's not going to play nicely with a cassette. So do bear that in mind. I'm not saying you have to go out and buy three trainers for three people in your family. It's easy enough to take one bike off and put a, put another one back on, but you need to have, um, you know, the same cassette. Now that doesn't mean that if you have, if, if you have, if mom has an XX one cassette and little Bobby has a GX 12 speed cassette, that's fine. It doesn't matter how nice they are. You just have to be dealing with ideally the same brand and the same number of speeds. You could probably get away with doing a SRAM cassette with Shimano chain and shifter. It's just going to be a little more rough and it might be a little harder to adjust and get to work right. Um, you can even, like if you have to, you could maybe get away with like, um, if you have like 11 speed. So I have 11 speed, uh, Shimano on my road bike and Dan has a bike that has 11 speed. Uh, it's like a, a, a mountain bike with Shimano 11 speed where his bike, it's like an 1140 cassette and mine's like an 1130. You could get away with like using the bottom half of the cassette with, if you were to stick my bike on his direct drive trainer with that mountain bike cassette, but not the bigger gears. Right. So like I will get inevitably and I'm, I'm happy to answer them. If you ask me, can I use X bike with Y setup that doesn't match it exactly. Like I said, if it's road and mountain or if it's 12 speed versus 11 speed, my answer will vary between yeah, but it won't work really well. And no, really do your best to try and figure out a way to, um, have bikes be using the proper cassette. If you're going to do direct drive. Um, I've, I've tried a lot of other ways and as a long-term solution, it's not great. Um, so something to consider. The last question I wanted to run over is for people who are okay with spending a lot of money on their trainer setup. Cause there are people out there who, you know, you have a really busy job and during the winter, the trainer is the easiest way for you to exercise and stuff. And, you know, like a lot of us have four or five bikes and, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of folks who are like, yeah, you know, I sold my fat bike and bought a trainer instead. Cause it sounds ludicrous to spend thousands on a trainer setup. But if you realize that a lot of people have a bike in their garage that cost a few thousand bucks that they never ride, 
spending that much on a trainer isn't isn't that crazy, right? Um, and you can spend a lot on trainers these days. You know, if I remember correctly, the the kicker is a little over a thousand bucks. I think the nicest Tax Neo is like thirteen hundred bucks. And now we're even seeing brands like Wahoo and Tax, at least I think maybe one other, have released bikes that are like like full like they look like a full spin bike right you don't even you're not even dealing with your physical bicycle that you ride on the road or on the trail um uh wahoos is really cool it's like uh this it's it uh like goes up like the bike lifts you up when you start climbing a hill and swift or points down and it has you can customize the way the shifters feel and stuff and um uh, even if you're using the normal trainer wahoo has the kicker climb where you can take your front wheel off and bolt it to this the climb unit when you start going up a hill in Zwift it lifts up the front end of your bike and uh, Wahoo makes a fan where the speed is variable depending on how fast you're going in Zwift right there are a million crazy little accessories um, my short answer on those is like yeah man if you just paid off med school and you got you know money to spend it's great I've used uh, it during when I was in the industry I got to use the Wahoo kicker bike it was insanely cool um, I think it's like $3,000 though right so, um, you know, you certainly don't need it, but I could make a great argument for buying one. You know, a lot of us, like I said, a lot of us have a bike in our garage that we paid three, $4,000 for, and we ride three times a year. I'd say sell that and buy a trainer, the ridiculously nice trainer setup that you're going to use every single night, you know? And the perk with those nice trainer setups is that it makes it feel more immersive, right? It makes it easier to get on because you know, like, man, when I get on the Wahoo kicker bike, it feels almost like I'm pedaling outside, you know? And the... Uh, or even if it's a, just a, a normal trainer, that's really nice, you know, like with the if buying the kicker versus buying, you know, a $200 Amazon special or something, you know, it's going to feel nicer. It's going to feel more immersive. And at the end of the day, you're more likely to get out and spin. You're more, you know, and I'm mostly talking to the adults here because kids will, you know, they'll do whatever, but, um, but yeah, there's an argument for it. The, the bare bones, the kind of basics I think you need are either a bike with a power meter and a normal trainer or just a normal bike with a smart trainer, which I think is what you're going to see more. Um, get a bike, uh, get your normal bike, throw it on a smart trainer that has uh, power and controllability, pay 15 bucks a month for Zwift. That's kind of the bare bones, right? Uh, have a fan, go on Amazon, buy a fan for 20 bucks, right? Have a hand towel. There's not, there's not a whole lot that you need, um, but if you're in the position to, um, you know, like spending money, I've never regretted money I've spent upgrading my trainer setup. I use it for so much of the year, um, you know, and, and for me, like I even get to the point during the winter where I look forward to my spinning at the end of the day, cause it's my exercise and it can even be social and stuff. And then, like we said on the last episode, we're going to look into doing some Maybird Zwift rides once people are more integrated. Um, so yeah, uh, to finish off, please expect that uh, free hub guide, hopefully within the next couple of days, I'll get it out as soon as I can. Um, and then if you have any questions, you can send them to, um, uh, send them to me. Uh, Joe Draper 98 at Gmail is probably the best way to reach me for now. Uh, if you have any questions for uh, any other shows, if you want to hear more about tech, all the above, send it my way. And uh, yeah, best of luck with winter training, folks.